Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Cosmic Laundry Podcast, a place where we explore modern spirituality in all of its forms. I'm your host, Giselle Plamondon, and I'm here to guide you on your journey into learning more about your soul's path. I am a social worker, astrologer, and human design guide, and I love to share new ideas, new information, and deeper wisdom with you all, especially as I'm on this path and learning everything with you by your side. So join me every Friday as I open space and explore topics and ideas that will support you in understanding yourself and the world better. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cosmic Laundry podcast. So today I really I wanted to sit down and talk about the third line in human design. And the reason that this has been coming up for me so much lately is because I get so many questions from third lines. I get questions about, you know, how do I approach life when I know that I'm meant to fail at things? You know, how do I stay hopeful and optimistic and not, you know, sink into that third line pessimism? How do I succeed in anything or how do I make money for myself? How do I support myself if I'm meant to be the person who fails? And I hear a lot of people who are feeling... um disempowered by the way that we talk about the third line and I want to correct that because human design is not supposed to be disempowering. Yes, there are some parts of everybody's chart that feels a bit heavy. That is true for any typology system, whether you're into Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or Auras or Astrology or Human Design. Not, not everything is going to be sunshine, rainbows, easy breezy, right? No matter who you are, no matter what typology system you're using, there's always going to be aspects of your identity or your aura or your energy that just feels like a crapshoot, where it just feels like, oh, like I got the shit under the stick with this. But the reason for that is because All of our strengths come with weaknesses. I've said this many times, I will die on this hill, that any of your greatest strengths are also your greatest weaknesses, always. You just can't have, like I I personally just don't think that you can be well-rounded in everything. And if you are well-rounded in everything, um, you're not necessarily exceptional, Okay, that might sound like that's a bit harsh, but I think that we all have very natural gifts and very natural strengths. And when we try to round those out by also leaning into the opposite and trying to learn the opposite skill, like yes, that balance is important um, and knowing how to do that opposite thing is important, but I really believe that that takes away from what you're here to do. If you are really incredibly gifted at something, you know, let's take, um, okay, maybe you have an incredibly creative mind, right? Maybe you're an out-of-the-box thinker, um, you're really creative, you are an ideas person, but you've been told your entire life that you need to be better at following, following a formula. 
You need to be better at following the same train of thought as everyone else. And because you can't do that, you're often labeled as stupid or slow or whatever, when in fact your mind is just working very differently and much more quickly than some other people's. I believe that it is much more beneficial for our society, for that person to continue to be creative out of the box, you know, to not have to be forced into a linear thought pattern um, because that creative thinking is their gift. But when we try to force people out of their gifts into being normal, uh, everyone suffers, not just that person. And so that was a bit of a tangent, but you will never ever see any chart of any typology that doesn't have some type of weakness in it. You just can't. Every strength has to come with a weakness and that's okay. And so I want to reframe the third line strengths because everybody is so focused on the weaknesses, but we need third lines. And I really feel that I'm in a a good position to do this because as a third line myself, I a only know about the third line life, right? So I'm a three five. The third line in my design is conscious. It's the part of me I am the most aware of. And it is 100% how I live my life. I live a very third line life. On top of that, almost all of the close people near me are also third lines. My dad, my mom, my sister, the only person in my immediate family who's not a third line is my brother. Um, most of my friends are three fives or one threes. Um, so sometimes I, I think being surrounded by so much third line energy, I didn't get as much of the programming that makes third lines often believe that there's something wrong with them. Um, Because I'm not the only person in my life that's trying and experimenting and failing and, you know, trying to climb mountains but kind of getting nowhere and then all of a sudden one day having a big breakthrough. That is, I've witnessed the third line process my whole life Um, and I don't really know much different or much else and I feel incredibly thankful to be a third line. I am so grateful to have this energy within my design and I want to share with you guys what is so magical about the third line because I'm so tired of people being upset by being third lines. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, so where do we want to start? Let's start with reframing failure, okay? Um, What was the... I got a DM this morning on Instagram, and it was about how do I accept and approach new aspects or parts of my life? I'm kind of like paraphrasing here, but how do I you know, jump into new things if I know that I'm going to fail? How do you get the, um, the courage to do that, essentially? And it's interesting because I, I've personally never really thought of it that way. Um, the third line path isn't necessarily to fail, okay? So it's not that no matter what you do, you will fail. It's that no matter what you do, you will find what doesn't work before you find what does. It is an experimental process. It is a process of adaptability. It's a process of non-linear thinking, non-linear being. So 
it's not that as a third line you're going to fail necessarily you could go into a job and do it the way that everyone else does it and probably be mildly successful in terms of the external world right I've seen third lines who follow other people's path and um, achieve you know some level of success so when we say that you can't live outside of your design and, and experience success that's not necessarily true but you can't experience fulfillment right and so when I see third lines that are living a very linear life they're not taking risks they're not taking chances they're not exploring or inventing or creating yeah, they can be successful. They can have the money, the house, the, you know, whatever. Um, but they're not usually fulfilled because they didn't they didn't do what they were supposed to do. So as a third line, your greatest gift is your ability to change the way we do things. Your greatest gift is to go into a new environment and say, why are we doing it this way? This isn't working. And often the third line will speak to the thing that everyone else also thinks or feels but is too afraid to say right this is why the third line also has the bonds made broken right I've had a few people that are really afraid of dating third lines because they're like well aren't third lines meant to constantly be in new connections and be ending things and then restarting things like that sounds Uh, toxic and chaotic and I don't want to be a part of it this again is a deep misunderstanding of what the third line is it's not that a third line person can't be in a long-term partnership or that they don't want to be in a long-term partnership it's that a third line person can't stay silent when something isn't working so when third lines do have healthy relationships or long-term relationships and they're in the high road of that third line, they tend to be very productive in healthy relationships because the third line person is going to say, this isn't working. We need to do something differently. So any third line person in your life is going to come into work and they're going to point out what doesn't work and what needs to be done differently. They're going to come into their relationships, their friendships. These are the people that often will give, you know, feedback to businesses, you know, positive and negative. It's because when something isn't working, the third line is usually the one that voices that. The third line is the one that says, hey, we have to do something different. And the world would be very different if we didn't have third lines because a huge part of the third line process is having the courage to do things different, having the courage to point out what's not working, and also the ability to think outside of the box. So third lines are problem solvers. They're resourceful and they're resilient. Oh my God. If, if I had to pick one of my top things about my entire design, it would be my third line resilience. There is just something about the third line ability to pick themselves up, brush themselves off, and keep going that is incredible. And, you know, it's funny, Chantelle and I talk about resilience a lot, because we both feel that we're really resourceful, really resilient. We've been having these conversations for years, way before we ever learned about human design. And I remember when I was younger, I used to look at some people in my life, because again, keep in mind, I'm surrounded by third lines. I'm surrounded by the type of people that are really resilient, 
I'm surrounded by people who have had difficult lives who continue to pick themselves up, brush themselves off, and keep going. I have very rarely in my personal life seen someone get, um, you know, kind of weighed down by the difficulty of life to the point where they can't continue to move forward. And that does happen for some of the other designs, which is why we have to be mindful um, of how much stress and um, change we're placing on some of the other designs. But third lines, that's part of their path is to be resilient, to be courageous and um to keep it moving you know I think third lines also have the gift of showing other people what is possible if you just keep moving forward um, if you don't take it personally if you don't make the failures mean something about you and I think maybe that's one of the biggest conditioning pieces and why so many third lines don't like being third lines is because we live in a society that it's funny I was gonna say that we live in a society that values like the two four way of being but even two fours often get questioned because they're naturally gifted and things come easy to them. And so it's this really ironic thing where our society values the the work ethic of something like the third line, the resilience of the third line, without understanding that that resilience comes from a healthy amount of fucking up, you know? Uh, you only de develop that resilience when life doesn't always go as planned, right? You have to strengthen and test that muscle. It's not necessarily, um, some of it might be a personality trait, but it has to be tested, right? Um, so our society really values re resilience, uh, but not necessarily failure, which is interesting. Um, and then on the flip side, our society really values natural talent, but also um, chastises people who choose things that are easy, you know? So it's like nobody can win. Um, but that third line path of failure okay we're going to go back to this reframing failure is not as honored in our society as it should be because people see it as fucking up or making mistakes or doing something wrong and often as kids we're taught that whenever we do something and we don't do it correct that we did something wrong and if you make that mean something about you then yeah that's going to have a huge impact on your psyche the way that you see the world the way that you see yourself and of course some of that third line pessimism is going to creep in so the the path and this is really really important for any of you listening that have a third line child listen up this is going to be really important for you I believe that one of the reasons that Chantel and I both do very well living into the high road of our third line, of course, there's moments and there's, you know, certain things we've had to decondition, but I really believe that one of the, the reasons that um, we're mostly on the healthy side of it is because both of our parents are third lines and making mistakes was accepted in our house. Um, it was never really seen as the be-all, end-all. You know, even I remember like my brother coming home from school and um, calling himself stupid because he had gotten in trouble about something that was really dumb. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, were you not thinking? Like, of course you got in trouble for that. 
And my mom was like, no, you're not stupid. You just made a stupid decision, right? There was always this separation in our household between who we were and what we did. And I think that really helped to not make mistakes and failures feel personal. They just felt like part of the process, right? And um, that value in my family of owning your mistakes and learning from them and not being... um, not being grounded for them or punished for them just like okay what did you learn from this what are you going to do different moving forward that has helped me so much in my life as a third line but if you don't have a three in your profile um, or a lot of threes in your design in general you might not get why your third line child is running into things and bumping into life and making all a lot of mistakes that you never had to make right I've seen parents say like I you know didn't have to test that or try that or do that like why are they constantly in this phase of testing and trying it's because they're a third line and it's because they're here to find what doesn't work that's a huge part of the third line path so as a third line it's really important to reframe failure to not you know I would even just take that word out of your vocabulary because as a third line you can't fail you're meant to find what doesn't work so every time you find something that doesn't work whether it's for you for the company you work for in your relationship whatever um, every single time you find what doesn't work you are winning you are succeeding you are doing what you came here to do right the other piece is understanding that third lines are restless you know third lines are the explorers and I think that because third lines are here to go into new uncharted territory to try the thing that no one else wants to try and and usually to try it with excitement right so it's not this like oh I guess like somebody has to go out and explore that mountain I guess I'll be the one that does it no like third lines are really excited usually um so the third line path of you know exploration comes with a bit of restlessness and I know one huge part that I've had to really learn to make peace with in myself is that no matter how good my life is I'm always seeking the next experience. I'm always seeking something better, something different, something new. Um, I think of even like I'm in my dream apartment. I love it. I'm surrounded by, you know, just like my favorite things, my favorite people, and I love it here so much. But there are days where I wake up and I'm like, oh man, I really missed this time last year when I was living on my mom's acreage and waking up to nature and, um, you know, the sound of birds in the morning. But when I was there, I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to be somewhere with, you know, reliable Wi-Fi and um, running water that I don't have to haul, you know, like (laughs) it's just like no matter where you are as a third line, There's always this restlessness and I've had to learn to accept and I'm still working on this that that restlessness doesn't mean that I'm unhappy. I used to think that I used to really be like oh I guess I'm not happy here. I guess this isn't my place. It's just that um, as a third line your life is meant to be you know it's meant to come in waves. 
It's meant to be a non-linear story. So there will always be a part of you that wants to pick up and move and pick up and try something different. And I think that this is why, you know, if I could go back to being 18, 19, I would have, you know, done my 20s totally differently. And this isn't to say that I'm not happy with the choices that I made because I am, you know, I wouldn't really be here doing this today if I hadn't made those choices. But in terms of approaching life from my design, I probably wouldn't have went to university, not right away. I would have explored. I would have traveled and explored and and took um, advantage of those young people visas, you know, where you can live in a certain country for a year or two years. I probably would have did that all throughout my 20s possibly even have just waited until you know of course this is in retrospect but waited until most degree or programs were available online and done that online while traveling that would have been the best bet for me as a third line um of course I can still do that now but the third line energy is always going to feel restless it's always going to be seeking okay and and the sooner you as a third line can make peace with that and understand that that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. So this is another huge piece too. Let's say we're talking about relationships. The bonds made broken and the restlessness and the always seeking doesn't mean that the moment you start to get bored or restless or wondering what else is out there in your relationship, that doesn't mean that that's the moment that you cut ties and move on. Bonds made broken means taking a break. So that might literally mean just like going away without your partner for the weekend and then coming back, right? It might just mean um, putting a bit more energy into your friends for a week or two. It might it might mean taking a break. It might mean a breakup, right? Every single you know time it's going to be different. But the reason that bonds made broken is so important is because the third line energy is always keeping things fresh. It's making sure that we don't get stagnant in any area, right? So your third line person is going to come into your business, right? If you hire a third line, be ready for them to make changes, especially if you're hiring them at, you know, an upper level. If you're, you know, dating a third line, be ready to shift and change and grow and evolve, you know, because that's what the third line does. The third line pushes themselves and the people and the world around them to evolve and that will honestly come down to how much um, individual uh, tribal or collective circuitry they have within their chart Um, which maybe that's a whole other (laughs) podcast episode that we go into Um, but you know for example I have mostly individual circuitry most of my gates are individual so my whole life is a process of changing and evolving myself whereas somebody who is a third line but has a lot of collective circuitry they might be involved in companies and government in terms of changing policy right they they might be doing something a bit more on a collective level when it comes to how they're using their third line so everyone is going to be different but that third line is about evolution and that's why i'm so passionate about it and I want all third lines to see how powerful they are and how important they are because that third line like we really really need that third line of course we need all of the lines and 
you know, every single line has purpose. But the third line purpose is evolution. It's adaptability. It's the willingness to be courageous enough to go into uncharted territory, to do something different. We would not have most of the technology, knowledge, understanding of the world that we have if it wasn't for third lines. So it's really important as a third line that you make peace with that, that you make peace with your process and that you don't make yourself wrong for it. You know, really begin to understand that when you get the desire to jump into something, you don't have to know how it's going to turn out. For you, the goal is not to achieve a certain outcome. Okay, the goal for a third line is to go into anything and everything with the understanding of what can I learn here? And then from that, okay, what does this mean? What am I meant to teach people, right? And so some some third lines are really just meant to keep what they've learned to themselves, right? Some third lines are meant to share it with other people, right? A lot of that will come down to other aspects of your chart, but you are here to find what works and what doesn't work. So it's really important that you understand that your success is very different. Very, very, very different than other people. I even think of like, have you ever, this is a question for my third lines. Have you ever had something come really easy to you and you get bored with it? You know, after a little while, you're like, okay, yeah, this is this is okay, but I'm kind of bored, <laughs> right? That happens so often for third lines because third lines need to be challenged. Third lines need to have that space to try something new. And this is also, too, why you'll see third lines uh, job hopping a lot because once a third, line's, a third line feels comfortable and they feel like they get it, and they feel like they understand it and something becomes easy, often third lines are a bit less motivated to, to keep doing that thing. So as a third line, you have incredible gifts that the world needs. So we need you to validate yourself in those gifts. We need you to understand how purposeful your way of operating is and to stop trying to operate the way that everyone else does because that's not your path um, and that's not what we need from you, right? We need you to be yourself. So just to recap, you know, reframing failure, maybe even taking that language totally out of your mouth, okay? Understanding that you are here to point out what doesn't work. You are here to point out what needs to shift and change. That's a big, big purpose, right? That is something to take seriously. Um, and then third, understanding that you're always going to feel a little restless, especially if the three is conscious. So if you're a three, five or a three, six, you're always going to feel a little bit like, oh, what's next? You know, what's on the horizon? Where am I going next? What's going on? Uh, that will probably never go away. And it doesn't mean you always have to blow up your life because I see third lines doing that a lot. I've done that a lot. Um, and learning that no matter where I am, I'm always going to feel that restlessness has helped me to stop chasing 
peace <laughs> because uh, peace doesn't really come, at least not for me. I have some other aspects of my design that contribute to that. But um, and then the last piece is just really full, radical acceptance of your path and your mission as someone who's here to help us evolve and grow and change and do things different so I would love to know what your favorite things about being a third line are there are a few other aspects that I didn't really even get into today but these are the things that I hear people frustrated about the most often is is you know all of the things that we talked about in this episode but I would love to hear from you and I would love to know what your favorite things about being a third line are and even if you're not a third line but you have third line people in your life let me know let me know what you're loving and um what feels magical and important to you you can send me a dm on instagram at the cosmic laundry or you can email me at hello at giselleplamondon.com and yeah that's all That's all we're going to talk about today. Stay tuned for next week. I'm going to be, you know, dropping a few little surprises for you all. We're going to have the new website launched very quickly. I'm hoping this week, but I don't know. I'm really, um, every time I get something finished on it, uh, I'm like, oh no, wait, this has to be changed. There we go. That's the third line process, right? So we'll see when the new website is launched. Uh, but that's coming soon. And then the human design reader training, we still have spots in the beta programs. So that training is all self-study online. You have access to all of the recordings and trainings and everything that you need in order to do what I do, essentially. Um, And we have that on for a thousand $1,111 right now as the beta program when it fully launches probably next month or I might launch it with the website I'm not totally decided yet but when it fully launches it will double in price so if you are on the fence about that and you've been wanting to do it but you've been putting it off now is definitely the time uh, because you'll get it for half the price that people in the future will. Okay, that is all that I wanted to talk about today. Thank you guys so much for joining me and we will chat soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of our community. If you want to help us to grow, you can share this episode on your Instagram, share it with your friends. If you do that and you tag us so I can see it, I would love it. I'd just be so, I get so happy every time I hear about how the podcast is impacting you. Really, that's the only thing that keeps me going and keeps me creating with the podcast because it is so much work sometimes but I just love hearing from you and if there's any guests that you want me to have on the podcast any topics you want me to cover just reach out to me send me a dm and we will add it into the content list hope you guys have a great week bye everyone
Hi everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cosmic Laundry Podcast. It's been a while. I'm noticing that (laughs) I have a tendency to have these really big lofty ideas for what I want to do for episodes, but they're big. You know, they take a lot of research, they take a lot of time, they take a lot of effort and energy, and in order to do the type of podcasting that I want to do, I'm probably not going to be able to do an episode every week like I would like to. Um, I would like to be more consistent, so I'm working on that. Um, But I really want to bring you guys something um, a bit deeper, I think, than what a lot of human design and astrology podcasts offer. Um, And by deeper, I don't mean like... Uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? I find that a lot of astrology and human design podcasts are very like practical and they're they're really about these like quick solutions and you know let me tell you about Saturn in your chart or let's talk a little bit about this aspect of your design and I think that that's powerful and that's magical and that information is needed. Um, but I also think that there's something um to be said for integrating these things into like deeper knowing and deeper knowledge because the thing about astrology and human design is on their own yes they're very mystical beautiful powerful tools but at the end of the day they're really meant to help us come into deeper alignment with who we are um they're really meant to help us understand ourselves more and so um i'm going to be sharing more conversations that infuse astrology and human design and not as much just like astrology and human design info. If you're wanting straight info, like let's cut to the chase, let's get into it. Um, That type of teaching and work I do in our membership inside Open Space on Patreon. I will link all of that in the show notes. So if you want to join, you can. It's um, super affordable. I wanted to make it accessible for everybody. You can sign up for the $11 a month tier or the $22 a month tier or if you, you know, just want to support the podcast, there is a tier for that as well. Um, so that membership plus my human design training, um, in the future we'll do an astrology training too, but that's going to be where I do most of the like practical teaching, the practical knowledge, practical wisdom. With the podcast, what I want to do is really lean into some of my personal design, um, and share my gifts in that way. And what I'm really feeling myself being drawn to is sharing with you from my sun gate, which is gate 20, and sharing with you from my freak to genius channel, the 4323, um, as well as just, you know, all the Venus energy in my chart. I want to share with you guys some of the things that Um, I'm seeing that I'm thinking that I'm moving through and one of the things that has held me back from doing this with you (laughs) is fear massive massive fear I've had to work through tons of imposter syndrome and tons of just like fears about not belonging fears about not being understood all of these different things fears of being canceled right because the thing with gate 20 okay 
in human design, especially because this is my sun gate. This is the most important gate in my entire design is that the, the gate 20 is really about contemplation. And so what I find is that I am always contemplating. I am always in this process of rediscovering something or finding a deeper meaning or um, really seeing something in a new way. Like my mind is always in that state of contemplation and it's confusing because nothing is stagnant. Nothing or maybe that's the wrong word. Nothing is fixed. Okay. I have a lot of fixed energy in my natal chart. So I like when things are consistent, when they're stable. I like when an opinion of mine like holds true over time because for me that feels valid and it feels real and it feels like, okay, there's a fixed quality to this. I can trust this thought. I can trust this opinion. But most of my opinions and thoughts and ideas do not work that way. They are so in flow. They are so moment by moment. And it's really common for me to share an opinion or an idea or something that I'm chewing on and totally change my mind the next week, which is also why you'll very rarely hear me say that anything is absolute because I know that my own perspective on things changes so fast. So I don't want anybody to ever take what I'm saying with like 100% certainty because I'm not even certain about it. I am constantly in a state of contemplation, right? And so this shows up in all areas of my life. Like I have such a big tendency to say something and to really be leaning into and questioning and, and really saying things like, oh, I feel this way or, or I don't like this or, you know, and all of that is only true in the moment. And I've had to learn to tell people that, that like, yeah, I might say this one thing in this moment, but in another moment, I might actually feel really different about it. And I know that that can feel flaky and inconsistent and frustrating but it is just the way that I have always been and I tend to kind of go back and forth until I find a middle path and then once I'm in that middle path I have very little to say about the subject because whatever the subject is I just accept and see both sides or all sides and I'm very neutral and that's what I found my process has been as somebody who carries gate 20 in my son is that everything eventually brings me to this like middle path of neutrality of balance of um, harmony and understanding the connectedness of of both sides of all things so what I think I'm gonna do if I don't like scare myself out of it um, is start sharing with you guys some of the perspectives that I'm having in real time um, having some of these conversations with you guys in real time um, and of course, sharing them from a human design lens. You'll learn about human design and astrology through the podcast still, but in a more integrated way. I want to show you what it looks like when these things are so embodied in your being that they don't have to be something you think about all the time. Like I'm not waking up in the morning and going, okay, I know that I carry gate 20 and gate 20 is how I attract people. So how can I just lean into that energy today? You know, I very rarely am doing that type of um, strategy or thought surrounding my design because I don't have to really anymore. It's so embodied. And of course, sometimes I get out of alignment and I obviously still have more deconditioning work to do. 
but for the most part it's very integrated and I want to start sharing with you guys from that integrated place. So I thought a good uh, place to start today is in talking about some of the things that I've learned in the last 30 years. So if you know me, if you like if you know me in real life or if you've been following us on Instagram, you know that I just turned 30 um, in May. Um, and that was a big milestone for me, one that I have been anticipating and waiting for since I was literally like 23. I remember hearing some fr- from some friends who were in their 30s at the time that your 30s are just so much better than your 20s. And for most of my 20s, I was very, very lost and very confused and just didn't know who I was or what way was up or what way was down. So I've always kind of looked forward to this period. Um, And so I've been really sitting with like, what did the first 30 years of life teach me? You know, what what are some of those things that I have found like the middle path or the middle way? And what are some of the things that I have come to a conclusion about? Because there are still a lot of things that are very up in the air for me in terms of what I believe, what I think, what I know. But of course, there are some things that feel very solid. And so I want to share this with you guys. Um, Also as a way for you to see kind of what happens with the Saturn return, because I am... I'm on the tail end, like I'm really in the integration phase and I am so thankful for my Saturn return. Like I want to give you guys some hope um, in terms of what you can look forward to Um, because yes, there was some really difficult things, difficult moments, difficult times, Um, but I am so, so, so grateful. Um, So let's get into, I don't think we're going to do all 30 today. I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling I'm only going to do 15 um, and then we'll do the other 15 and hopefully I remember to do that. Um, hopefully I can like get myself sat back down and into it. Um, okay, so all that preamble aside, I have a few things written down but we're going to see what also just flows through. One of the things that I really wanted to um, make sure that I am sharing here is not just things that I've learned um, through hard experiences and through like the trials and errors and wisdom that life brings you. Um, Of course, those are important. And I feel like that's what a lot of people focus on when they when they talk about what they've learned. But I also want to share some of the things that I've taught people. And the, the reason that this came up, we don't think about these things, right? We don't think about how our natural embodiment, our natural way of being, the things that come so easy to us that we don't have to learn, that are just like really integrated into our being, those things are special and important and should be celebrated too. It's not all just about the lessons and the hardships and what you've had to grow into. I do think that there is so much magic in knowing and understanding your natural strengths and the things that you haven't had to work on. And being in Hawaii for my 30th birthday really reflected that back to me because um, I just got a lot of reflection from people, from friends, um, 
whether like in Hawaii or people that sent me messages or called me on my birthday. Um, and there was just so many common themes of people being like, you've really showed me this and you've taught me this. And I'm so thankful for you because, you know, you brought this into my life. And they were all things that come so easy to me, things that I just don't think of that I don't always honor in myself because they haven't required hard work. <laughs> they haven't required a death and rebirth process to um to embody and I think that that's important so I'm not going to tell you which are which some of them I'm sure you'll know you'll be able to figure out um some of these are you know things that I feel that I teach or have taught other people and some of them are things that I am learning myself and we're gonna probably go through 15 today and we'll do another 15 uh next week or later this week okay so the first one is that nobody knows you, your life, your soul's path, or your destiny better than yourself, okay? We can hire healers and teachers and coaches and, you know, therapists, you know, people who guide us on our journey, but nobody is meant to come in and become the authority in our lives, right? This is where, like, cults and certain religions and like essentially any any paradigm or any pendulum if you're familiar with um um Vadim Zeeland and his work anything that robs you of your own sense of inner authority is not good for you it doesn't matter what it is I don't even care like if it's preaching love and forgiveness and acceptance and all of these different things, but there's no space for your own authority, your own ideas, your own thoughts, your own opinions, what you know to be true and good for you um, within that paradigm, I personally don't think that it's it's actually an enlightening paradigm. Um, I think that the most important thing that we can do especially those of us that are on a bit of a spiritual journey, um, is to really bring that authority back to self. And that's hard because when you see yourself as the authority, you have to come to your own conclusions about what integrity looks like, about what you want. You know, you really have to take ownership of your life and I think that's why a lot of people don't do it but any system or teacher or person that tries to take that authority from you and tries to have you put your sense of trust and guidance within them only is not especially in this new paradigm um is not going to help you in the way that you want to be helped any paradigm or teacher or coach or even friend anyone that turns that back around and puts that responsibility back on you and asks you to figure out what is best for you and co-creates with you, that is going to get you where you want to go, okay? So that's something that um, has been a really big learning for me. It's something that I've always intuitively and naturally leaned into like I've, <laughs> I've always said like I'm a bad student I'm a bad listener all of these different things I will do things my way but there's also a part of me that really really doubts my own process my own thoughts my own opinions and I got really lost in um 
other people's paradigms or opinions or ideas. And so that is, you know, the first thing that I, the first point that I wanted to touch on. Um, this second one is gonna be, <laughs> I don't know if it'll be controversial with you guys, like the people that I tend to attract with the podcast and with the Cosmic Laundry and even as clients are very, um, practical and grounded people but I do know that this is gonna ruffle some feathers in the spiritual community and especially in the feminine energy community but everybody right now is so obsessed with living this soft life right that's what it's being called this very (coughs) sorry um this very relaxed feminine being in a state of flow, being in a state of abundance and luxury and, you know, not having to work too hard, not having to be too resilient, not not having to have too much um, challenge, essentially, in your life. You know, this is something that is really rising in the, the collective consciousness and for a reason because we've been way too far in the other you know, on the other side of this, which is like, you have to work hard. Like if you're not working hard, you're not deserving. You have to bust your ass. You should be working 50 hour work weeks. You know, all the guilt that comes from that, that's not good either. But what I have found to be true, especially as somebody like I desire so deeply to live a soft life. I am naturally a soft life being. Um, It's easy for me to be taken care of. I'm very receptive. I'm open to it. I always have been. Um, And I love having life be easy. But one of the things that I know to be true is that one of the reasons that I can accept that with such open arms and also without fear is because I have also experienced the hard life. I have had to be resilient. I have had to really like fight for what I want. I've had to be passionate. I've had to be goal oriented. You know, I've had to really um, do the opposite of the soft life. You know, for most of my life, I've had to work very hard to get where I am. And this idea of like needing to work hard is kind of becoming faux pas you know um it's kind of becoming this thing where everyone I know it's like okay what am I seeing here there's like two types of people that hate this this stream of thought this idea of like no if you want it you have to work for it and it's up to you to work for it there's two types of people that I'm noticing that are hating this this thought um it's like the feminine energy soft life people that are like no everything should be easy abundance is you know abundant um life can be luxurious and all of these different things which I agree with um and then there's obviously um the the people who are very anti-capitalism anti-work anti you know all of these different things and um while I obviously agree with a lot of that as well um the truth is that work gives us meaning and even from a biochemical perspective the dopamine that we get from a little bit of challenge like a little bit of pushback the like the benefits we get from achieving something that was not necessarily easy are huge like huge and you can't really deny that and so one of the things that I've been feeling really fearful of maybe not fearful, but like I'm a little bit worried about some of these younger people who are um, 
in that like soft life TikTok kind of community. This is all like, this is all happening on TikTok, by the way. So if you're like not on TikTok, you might have no idea what I'm talking about. But um, there's a lot of women that are teaching other women how to attract really wealthy partners, how to kind of get men to like buy them things, how to live a very, very soft life. Um, And it works. Their stuff works. It's like not hard to live that soft life if you want to. But my fear and my worry is that if you are constantly taken care of by others and you don't have your own resilience, your own grit, your own passion, your own determination, your own skills underneath you, um, that's a really dangerous place to be in. So one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is that the soft life is doable. I think that it is enviable. It is something that I think a lot of people would benefit from and I do think it's the future where we are moving into an easier life right um but grit and resilience and work ethic are still important you still have to have some of that get up and go and you can't expect that you're always going to be taken care of by other people you are always going to be taken care of by God, by the universe, by whatever you believe in. But sometimes part of that being taken care of is like having to fall on your ass so you can figure it out for yourself. Being taken care of does not always mean that things will be easy. And that's something that I just um, have learned. You know, we need to be able to cultivate both and find that balance. The third point that I want to talk about is something that will resonate if you have a lot of Scorpio in your chart or if you're a fifth line, um, especially if you're a 3-5. And it's that some people will misunderstand you and that has to be okay. You know, um, you cannot control other people's perceptions of you and other people's perceptions are of you are not always going to be grounded in reality or in fact or in truth i used to spend so much fucking energy trying to figure out where these perceptions came from you know if somebody didn't like me if they thought that i was like most of the like misunderstandings or or (laughs) misperception that i get is people will think that i am really naive Sometimes people meet me and they think that I'm kind of stupid. (laughs) Um, People will sometimes, like, I guess the big one for me is, like, underestimating me. Like, that happens for me a lot. As well as, um, hmm, what is the word that I'm looking for? I think sometimes people misperceive me as somebody who has had an easy life actually if we're going back to the soft life thing it might be really it might be new news to you to some of you that I have had a difficult life that I've had to fight for a lot of what I I have and that I actually have a very well developed masculine side even though I really lean into the feminine a lot um and so what I've learned is that a lot of times those misperceptions are just going to continue to happen, especially if 
If you believe something about you or you're worried about people believing something about you or if it's something that causes you stress, people are going to pick up on it more. So like a good example of this is when I first started my astrology business, I was really worried about people thinking that I was like weird and different and like not um, integrated into like mainstream society. Um And that was something that I worried about a lot. So I got a lot of this projection of me being this like, you know, spiritual hippie that wants to like live in the woods and and not talk to anyone. And like, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's definitely not who I am. I'm actually very much integrated into mainstream life and and culture and society. Um, And that does not happen. Like that misperception does not happen for me anymore now that I have like owned who I am and I'm I'm no longer care. You know, if you want to think that I'm like a a free-spirited, wild, little hippie, that's totally fine. I don't mind. Um, So the thing about being a mirror, especially for fifth lines and Scorpios, is that you really can't control what you dig up in other people, what you trigger in other people. You really can't control how they take that (laughs) trigger, how they navigate it, um, and what they do with it. So what I've learned is that there are some people that are for me and there are some people that are not for me and I'm always going to be a little bit polarizing, you know. Uh, That was a really hard thing for me to come to terms with because I try so hard to it's really important to me to meet everybody where they're at to be really understanding and open and welcoming you know I really want my work to be resonant with anyone who needs it but I've also accepted that there will there are always going to be people that can't hear what I'm saying and that are committed to misunderstanding me because of something that I represent or because of a certain way of being or a certain energy that I carry and that is just it is what it is, you know, it's it's not going away. So I've had to learn to be okay with being misunderstood and being misperceived. Is that the right, is that a word? Yeah, just like having people perceive me in a way that's not true or accurate. I've had to come to terms with that. The next point, and this one is a bit cheesy, but it is, it might be like the most important of all of the points. Um, And it's that like kindness and sweetness really can go a long way. Um, I think those qualities, especially the sweet bubbly qualities that I carry are some of the things that, um, (laughs) what's going on? I think something just fell in my kitchen. I'll go check it out after. Um, Those are definitely some of the qualities that irritate other people. (laughs) And those are definitely some of the qualities that um, kind of like push other people away from me in terms of like anyone that, I don't know, anyone that's triggered by that type of energy. They just don't like me and that's okay. But what I have discovered is that kindness and softness and sweetness have gotten me everything. They've gotten me so far and there have been many, many times in my life where people have reflected back to me that I needed to be harder, that I needed to be tougher, that I needed to be more intense, less sweet, you know. I had a lot of people tell me like the world is going to continue to take advantage of you if you present yourself in this way, if you present yourself in this soft way, in this sweet way, if you're so nice to people 
um, they will continue to think that they can push you over. And what I have discovered is that while that is true sometimes, yes, um, A, if that's happening, I now immediately know that that person is not someone that I want to be involved with in any way shape or form because it means I can't be my true self around them and my true self is very unguarded so if I have to put my guard up to be around you I'm not interested (laughs) full stop um and then the second piece is that because so many people live very guarded lives so many people live from this space of fear and from this space of like self-protection first really being in like this defensive energy um for the people that I connect with that like softness sweetness has gotten me into so has gotten me into so many rooms that I really was not qualified to be in um those qualities that the world try to squish out of me are the things that have got me exactly where I am now and I'm very very thankful that I never lost them of course I had to sharpen the opposite and I definitely have had to learn how to have boundaries and how to hold my own um when it's needed but I am so thankful for that kindness that I naturally can kind of um bring into things okay um So kindness will go a really, really long way. And this is especially true for those of you that are starting a business. I owe so much of the Cosmic Laundry's success to my ability to be kind, fair, open, warm, and just very personable with the people that I connect with through my work. So (laughs) kindness, even though like ruthlessness is really pushed in the business world I have found that kindness gets you everywhere like being a good person um yes maybe the growth for something is a little bit slower but it is uh it benefits you hugely okay this next one (sighs) this next one um okay this I I don't know how like how do I want to word this? Okay, I've seen a lot of, okay, there there seems to be two different types of people. There are people that are very uh, shut down in their sexuality, and I would say even more so in their sensuality because sensuality isn't really about sex at all. It's about intimacy, and it's about the connection to our body and the connection to our the present moment and our ability to be present with people um, and therefore create a sense of connection. That's all sensuality is. It's like really the ability to be in your body and to be open to connecting with other people who are in their bodies. Like not literally physically connecting, but having... Um, having a moment, right? Having pockets of intimacy. And so something that I've noticed um, (laughs) is that a lot of people are really afraid of this energy within themselves and within other people. So flirting, um, intimacy, bonding, um, having these like, because the thing about 
sensuality and especially flirting is that they only work because they're not attached to an outcome or like a long-term goal. So what I notice with people who are like not good at flirting, for example, is that they're very goal-focused. Like this has to end with me ending up in a relationship or me taking this person home or, you know, there's a lack of receptivity in that moment and therefore (laughs) the flirting doesn't land, right? It comes across as pushy or controlling or creepy or weird. The only way that flirting and sensuality and moment by moment intimacy works is by being present and being open and being curious and being receptive to whatever the outcome is. It's really about not having a desired outcome. And so I think because that energy really flies in the face of a lot of the things that we believe about connection and relationship, which is that You know, in order for a relationship to be successful, it has to be long-term. And in order for someone to really like you, care about you, have feelings for you, it has to be something that lasts forever. Because of that, there's this, like, demonization of sensuality, flirting, these, like, little moments of intimacy that I personally believe are so important. Um... Because those things are not understood, they're, I don't, I don't know, maybe demonized is a really strong word, but they're, they're misunderstood and they're not utilized. And so a lot of people who are naturally very present and receptive and flirtatious and charming and social and all of these different things, this is something that I see in my practice a lot as a therapist is that there's a lot of shame around those qualities because they're often labeled as being slutty or whorish or flaky or like for me my personal like a big wound I've had to work through is like the feeling of being a tease because I've been called that a lot because flirtatious energy sensual energy is really not about an outcome um and it it really can if, if you're the person on the other end expecting a certain outcome and you're not also in that real truth of like what flirtation is what sensuality is what that like moment by moment intimacy is um and you don't get what you think the the desired outcome should be then it feels like they led me on, they teased me, that, you know, all of these different things. And so something that I have been thinking about a lot, and this is probably Saturn return stuff for me because I have Saturn um, conjunct my moon and Lilith. And Lilith is the asteroid of sexuality and, and intimacy and these types of things. Um, <laughs> something that uh, I've been thinking about a lot is that these things like flirting like going out and dancing and being in your body and enjoying yourself um are really important and they're really actually lacking from our like modern society that's so goal focused and I think that this is why so many people when they travel to other cultures where there is more of this like charisma this sensuality this flirtatiousness this is why we feel so good when we go to those places because that energy is so in my opinion very very healing Um, and the reason that this has come up for me is that I keep seeing discussions online where people talk about flirting um, 
and whether it is immoral to do when you're in relationship or whether you should flirt with people you don't have an interest in dating or you know hooking up with so this is one of those things that I'm still really chewing on but one of the things that I have learned is that flirting is a skill and it's a beautiful skill it's not just like you know it's a real skill that has real benefit and um it's like much much more important than we even think or believe okay I'm gonna like end that one there I feel like I could talk about that for a long time okay next one uh I think we're on number number six okay you can be the most magical mysterious powerful profound beautiful being (laughs) in the entire universe and there will still be some people that don't get it that don't see it that can't recognize what they are witnessing so you need to be in environments that support you that nourish you that see you and that revere you for whatever it is that you bring to the table so often what I see with people is we try to get validation from the people that are not able to fully see us the the people who already aren't recognizing what we're bringing whether it's energetic or a skill or whatever the thing is And we try so hard, we think that it means that we need to do more or we need to be better or if I just did this or if I just did that. But usually you're speaking to the wrong people. You're in front of the wrong crowd, okay? So when it comes to anything, whether it's dating, business, career, purpose, making friends, like any of it, you're going to do much, much, much better in all areas of life if you know what you are gifted at and who is looking for those gifts. You don't need to be something for everyone. And there will always be people who don't get it, who don't see you, who like don't value you. So instead of trying really, really, really hard to get the people in your life that you are invisible to, to see you, and to recognize you, and to validate you, go where you are honored. Go where you are watered. Go where you are seen and and where you don't have to work so hard to be validated, okay? And I think that is just, that can make such a big fucking difference in your overall quality of life, in your success especially, and then in your relationships, you know? Go where you are seen and go where you are valued and trust that if you're not being valued in in your current environment or your current whatever, it's not probably because of anything that you're doing. You're just in the wrong space and your gifts are just not um, being honored there, okay? Um, (laughs) Okay, this next one's really personal, but I know that some of you guys will resonate um because a huge part of my own healing has been working through this like good girl programming part of like maybe this is like the shadow side of like the natural um sweetness and receptiveness that I have is that I can actually at times be a pushover for sure and I can at times really swallow my disappointment my anger my frustration and kind of try to keep the peace and um 
for a long time in my life, I was really scared of being called a bitch. And this is because I actually, I have a lot of fire in my chart. I'm a Aries Mars. That's actually like the ability to be independent and selfish and self-focused and to do what I want when I want is something that was so repressed within me for so long, but it's a huge part of accessing my power as somebody with Mars and Aries. So what I have learned is that for some people, yes, they really need to learn to tone down on the bitchiness, the selfishness, the... um focus on the self, right? Some people do need to learn to be softer and how to speak with (laughs) kinder words, more diplomatic words. There are definitely people that can be a little bit too far on the aggressive end, right? Um, Most of the people that I work with though have mastered like the game of being nice (laughs) and the game of like playing the game And so for a lot of of people that I work with, what I'm noticing is that those moments where you have the blow up, where you have the freak out, where you kind of get bitchy and selfish and mean and where sometimes you look at yourself and you go, wow, that was really out of character. Sometimes those are moments that indicate a deeper healing, just meaning that you're, you're starting to allow that part of you to be seen. You're starting to allow that part of you to have space. Um... You're starting to allow um, it to be okay for you to be angry sometimes, for you to be frustrated, disappointed, mad. And when you can honor that within yourself and then also be okay with other people not being okay with that, that for many people is a sign of healing. And again, this is where like you have to know yourself. You have to know whether your healing journey is about embracing that shadow Or if you're someone who's the opposite and you're more guarded and you're very defensive and that's kind of like to bite or to fight is your first line of attack, then maybe you stepping into that isn't always healing. Sometimes it's necessary, um, but you might need to, you know, cultivate the opposite. Okay. Um, Okay. Number eight, this is definitely a Saturn return lesson. And I think this is something that a lot of people experience and and witness in their Saturn return. And it is that um, as much as you might, might not like your family or your ancestry, there is something for you there. You know, there is some medicine there. There is a reason that you as a soul were born into that family um i'm not going to go so far as to say that your soul chose certain certain experiences or things like that i think that even with how powerful our souls are because free will is so powerful we can't always know as a soul i don't believe what we're signing up for um and i think that some sometimes those things certain experiences come as a, as a surprise to our souls kind of like what the fuck I did not this is not what I signed up for but I do think that we do choose our families and our ancestry and our lineage especially those of you um, that are on a spiritual path because certain gifts are passed down right and so the more you run away from your upbringing and from your experiences and try to find healing in things that are foreign to you the more you might be running from your actual 
medicine, okay? And this is like this is really sticky because some people are meant to go out and expand and explore and find other things and will always, you know, resonate more with other teachings or other ways of being or other lifestyles than the one that they were born into. And I think that most of us honestly will. But I do think that there's something really profound about looking into your own ancestry, looking into your own lineage, your own roots and discovering what is there, especially the things that you feel shame about or the things that you feel really anxious about. Okay, Um, I think a good example of this, because some of you might be like, okay, what does this even look like? Um, So I, I come from like a Catholic background, Christian background. My parents, neither of them are very religious at all. Uh, they're like the the rock and roll kids from the 80s like they definitely do not necessarily have spiritual practices or um really deep religious beliefs but my dad grew up in a roman catholic household and his mom my mamere who i was very very close with as a kid um was really active in the church and in like a really beautiful way i actually was very lucky that I got to witness what religion and spirituality looks like when it's embodied from a place of love and not from a place of fear because both of the elders that I had in my family you know my mamere on my dad's side and then my great grandma on my mom's side um who were you know religious were very like very very evolved and very conscious and very much coming from this deep deep state of love so It's funny because I never really got negative religious programming um, like a lot of people who have a Catholic upbringing do. But I did kind of always have this like weirdness about religion and this weirdness about um, that kind of being my ancestry. And so when I started studying spirituality, the last thing I wanted to do was read the bible or learn about mary or jesus like i did not touch those things at all they were not exciting to me they were not fun to me um even when i did start tapping into my own ancestry and lineage i went really far back into like my scandinavian roots and more into um norse spirituality like i did not touch uh christianity at all and recently it's really interesting because um you know bible passages and stories about jesus and mary like all of these things you know the angels things like that are really coming into my awareness and are really um it's a very very clear message for me from spirit that like this is something i need to explore and and consider and develop a relationship with and um i just read the book of longings which if you haven't read it it is so good like one of the best books I think I've ever read um which is the fictional story about uh Jesus's wife and again like I was gifted that book a couple years ago I think and it sat on my shelf forever until I kept hearing about it and hearing about it and I was like okay I know I'm supposed to read this book and it was such a healing and deeply deeply spiritual experience for me 
um, that I would have never touched before <laughs> if I wasn't A, listening to spirit, um, and then also B, in a space of like being open to really getting to know these beings, these ascended masters, these um, people, these entities that, you know, my two grandmothers were very, very connected to. Um, you know, I really had to come into a space of of love and acceptance for my own ancestry and my own lineage to be able to go there. And it's it's really funny because now that I've been exploring some of that, I'm having the spiritual experiences that I was always seeking inside other things that were not part of my lineage and my ancestry. And the download or like the understanding that I got is like, of course, this connection is so strong. It's already there. It's already within my lineage. It's already like in my DNA in a way, right? It's already something that has been codified into my family system and yes like no one else really uses uses it or accesses it I have a few cousins that you know have really close relationships with um like Jesus and Mother Mary but it's really not common in my family but I just think that the the teaching here is that it's so much easier to access spirit and to access your gifts um from a place that you know I guess like from a place where some of your ancestors have already done some of that work you know what I mean um so don't run from your lineage you know especially you know the thing that really solidified this teaching or this learning from me was that um, in the last couple weeks, a lot of my clients um, <laughs> have brought up their shame and their like, you know, um, yeah, I guess their shame around growing up Catholic and their disconnection from some of those teachings as they go on this spiritual journey. Um, and so just something to think about of like, there might be something for you in those teachings. Um especially if you've really demonized it and especially if you have some trauma there um and again like I'm not talking about religion I'm not talking about like having to fully adopt you know um you know the full religion of your ancestors but just seeing like what is what is in there you know what what are some of the spiritual truths and beliefs that I might not be accessing because of my shame surrounding this or my fear or my like for me, it wasn't shame. It was just uh, apathy, lack of care or desire. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that was a long one. Uh, what is next? Okay. This one is kind of similar to the, the first point, but I really firmly believe that you are responsible for yourself. Um, yes, there is community care, and that is so important. And, you know, I wouldn't have gotten a degree in social work if I didn't believe that we are mutually responsible for each other. But at the end of the day, like, I can never want more for you than you want for yourself. I can never want more of a life for you than you want for yourself. Of course, like, I can, I can actually sit here and be like, you deserve more you can do more I 
I believe in your ability to have what you desire. Of course, I can hold that for you. But I can't be the only one holding that vision for you. And ultimately, if you have a goal or a dream or a desire or a vision, no matter how big or small that is, it's up to you to make steps towards it. You know, it can't, you can't wait for the universe to hand it out right? You can't wait for the government to hand it out. You you have to move towards what you want and take responsibility for your own life. Um, and again, like this can be taken to such an extreme of like massive spiritual bypassing and lack of empathy. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about looking at everyone around you and going, well, they deserve where they're at because we're all responsible for ourselves. Like we have to take care of each other. But There is something to be said for taking responsibility for your life, for the choices you're making moment by moment, for like your own integrity and authenticity and your goals, your dreams, your desires. You can't be passive, right? And that's something that I've really had to learn. Like for a long time, I really just like believed you know, if I'm a good person, if I do right by others, um, you know, if I lean into my gifts, if I become more myself, then like everything will flow to me. And that's not necessarily true. There's a bit of truth to that. But more importantly, you know, if I want something, if I want to make more money, if I want um, better relationships, if I want more connection, like I have to actually do something. I have to take responsibility for that. There has to be a a plan, you know? I can't take a passenger or like a passive uh, stance on my own life. And I think that's something that is really, really, really important. And um, yeah, I wish that I had kind of started to embody that earlier in life, okay? Okay, this next one is more about relationships than anything um but and I don't mean like romantic relationships I mean all relationships one of the things that I have been sitting on is this idea of soulmates and in my early 20s when I was studying psychology I came to a belief that felt true for me at the time which was that we could come to love anybody And I think there's some truth to that, sure. Like, we can come to care about anybody. We can come to a space of comfort with almost anyone, as long as they're safe, right? And we spend enough time. Um, But what I am really leaning into as truth lately is that soulmates exist, okay? Soul connections exist. And there will always be people that you have deeper more profound connections with than others okay um and that like chemistry that connection whether it's a friend connection or a romantic connection just cannot be it can't be built I really don't believe that it can't be formed um doesn't matter how many connective you know or like how many how compatible you are how much therapy you do together like that connection is there or it's not and one of the things that I've really had to come into awareness of in the last couple of years is that if that connection isn't there um it's very hard for me personally to sustain that relationship 
So <laughs> just something to think about when you're looking at your life, right? When you're looking at, um, okay, what do I want? What do I desire? What am I looking for? What does connection mean to me? It's okay to want to choose and prioritize people where that connection comes easy. Even if like the compatibility isn't always there, right? But that connection piece is so important. And I see this so often with people who get married to people who they're compatible with, but where they don't have a connection. And this is like, this is very, very much just my own opinion and and from what I've seen. But those relationships, when they blow up, they blow up so bad. Like my experience of seeing that is like, those are the relationships that implode and those are the relationships that always confuse and boggle me whether it's like a friend connection or romantic connection because I've seen this in in both where once the split happens once the fight happens the conflict the whatever and like you're not my friend anymore or you're not my husband anymore those are the connections where one or both parties often can become a little bit vicious and a little bit cruel and you know cold and all of these different things and there's a lot of like modern pop psychology that's that's not real psychology but there's a lot of pop psychology that talks about that being the opposite of love that that being hate which is therefore the opposite of love and it's just intense feelings I that is not what I'm seeing what I am seeing is that comes from a lack of connection and that actually comes from a from not understanding or seeing each other's souls because once you have that soul connection it is always there like those are the the people that you can go years without talking to and then when you see each other it's like you pick back up and nothing changed you know those are the people where like when the relationship ends or the friendship ends you still wish them well and you want the best for them and you hope for the best for them so something that I've been really um leaning into is that that is so important that connection piece and it's really downplayed um we don't talk about it a lot maybe in the spiritual community a bit more but even there it's more so just talked about in terms of like twin flames and stuff it's not talked about in terms of that soul connection is what will get you through everything (laughs) that soul connection is is what will keep you connected during hard times and so it's okay to prioritize that especially in this like current era of like um instagram psychology and instagram therapy where everyone is sharing like these are the the things that you should look for and everybody should have this in a partner and this is how you know you're compatible and it's very like dry and clinical in my opinion and doesn't leave a lot of space for nuance or for chemistry or for connection so i just want you to know that if you're like really struggling with like okay these people in my life were very compatible but there's no connection and and I'm struggling with that because you know lots of modern psychology is telling me that that should be enough it's not enough you know and for some people it's enough but for most of us us it's not okay okay I feel like that could be a whole other episode too but we'll leave it there okay what are we at I think we're at 12 Hmm. <laughs> yeah we're at 12 and we're already like at an hour so uh, 
I'm gonna do the last three and then that'll be it for this one and then we'll we'll finish it another day so number 12 uh, the way to heal something is not by focusing on it it's not by putting your attention on it it's not by thinking about it it's actually by cultivating the opposite so the way that you heal okay I'll use myself as an example because really we could use anything I healed codependency I don't even like that word what what word do I want to use instead um I healed self-abandonment by being alone I had to learn how to be really okay being alone and spirit really pushed me to do this like during COVID I was incredibly alone like I moved to Cold Lake (laughs) to live with Chantel and then she got deployed her and her partner at the time and so I was in a new place where I didn't really know very many people um, in this house by myself I didn't have a car at the time like at, at first because I think she had taken it with her um so I couldn't really do much like I really had to be with myself and I spent those two three months like literally in the forest <laughs> like a fairy um by myself and I was working through a really deep heartbreak I was working through just all of these different things and what I have found in the last few years is that whenever I'm starting to slip back into self-abandoning and really like back into some of those old patterns instead of having them come up in relationship or connection with another person often I am kind of pushed back into a cocoon and back into um, having to be with myself and what that has done has you know it's helped me to develop a stronger sense of self so that I can have a deeper awareness of when something is not working for me because the problem before wasn't necessarily people pleasing or lack of boundaries it was not knowing myself enough to know what I even wanted or needed or any of that stuff. So often, another example is like feminine energy, right? So if you find yourself in this really wounded or reactive feminine space where you're really in this space of like, I have to take care of myself, I need to do everything alone, I need to do all of this kind of stuff, a lot of feminine energy coaches will start teaching you to receive and to open up and to be creative and to really tap into this feminine aspect. But we usually can't tap into that feminine energy until we have a really strong, healthy masculine. We can't really like be receptive and in a state of surrender and in a state of flow and full trust with life until we develop the confidence and abilities and skills that we need to like have our own back to protect ourselves and to do what needs to be done so it's often the opposite thing that needs to be focused on when it comes to healing and we spend a lot of time focusing on the the specific thing where it's, it's like what I've noticed is that the more we focus on fixing and healing that thing the bigger the problem gets because the the wisdom, the medicine is usually in the root or in the opposite, okay? And we see this in astrology all of the time. Like everything in astrology works in duality. Um, it all works in polarity and it all works together, right? So if I see someone and they're like, man, I have all of this like really heavy Aquarius energy in my chart and I 
love the pros of it but I also hate how cold and detached I can be sometimes instead of focusing on Aquarius energy what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the Leo energy which is the opposite on the spectrum it's the opposite of Aquarius and cultivate that and then once that warmth that generosity that passion that self-concept is developed then we can really lean into the high road of Aquarius right so everything works in that polarity and especially when it comes to healing so something that I would recommend you do like if this is resonating for you is like sit down and look at the things that you're wanting to heal or like fix or do differently and just like take a look at what that opposite energy would be and what it would take for you to cultivate that opposite energy and start practicing that and just see because what will probably happen is the thing that you're trying to achieve will naturally be achieved by cultivating the opposite, ironically. Okay? Okay, next point. Hmm. Okay, this one is more like, this is especially for those of you and then the version of me (laughs) that um, can get really, really caught up in um, 40 thinking. Okay, so by 40 thinking, all I mean is like questioning. When you're in this constant state of like, what's happening? What's going on? I need to understand, which was like my my entire life up until probably my Saturn return on it, honestly. Um, there's a tendency to really catastrophize or to like stick your head in the sand and pretend everything's okay. So one of the things that I have discovered and that I believe to be true is that things are not... Um, always what they seem and what is presented to us is not always the full truth there's usually something that's missing and this is not just I'm not just talking about like the government and all of that kind of stuff I'm, I'm really just talking about like everything even think of like marketing marketing is a half truth everything is is kind of a half truth in many ways and so what I've really found to be true for myself is that everything is not always what it seems to be people are not always who they present themselves to be in fact they're often the opposite um but it's not always as sinister or as scary as you might think it is when you start questioning it right a really good example of this this is maybe a triggering example but I think it's important is the rise of people talking about narcissism So unless you know for sure, and how you would know for sure is that you are like seeing a therapist that has really identified that you have um, the symptoms of like uh, narcissistic abuse, or if your ex-partner was, you know, diagnosed as a narcissist, um, unless you know for sure (laughs) that your ex was was a narcissist, they might not be, okay? This is like a really, really big thing that's happening in the spiritual community in like the relationship dating coaching community is this like hyper focus on narcissists and the truth is that most people are not narcissists (laughs) they're just not fully the idyllic idyllic god that we thought that they were so when we get into a relationship and this is an analogy so think about this in terms of how we relate to pretty much anything we 
especially if we are like not whole and complete within ourselves. okay? So you meet someone, you project this like false God energy onto them and we do this so much in relationships. They're perfect, they're going to save me from my life, they make me feel good, they're charming, they're flirty, they're like, you know, whatever the thing is, they really make me feel good. Um, And then we kind of stick our heads in the sand and forget to see them as like whole complex fucked up human beings like as most of us are and then when that you know facade drops because it has to whether it's because they can't uphold it anymore um or it's because you start to come out of the honeymoon phase and chemically you're relating to them different and you see them differently um then there's a tendency to devalue and so the really ironic thing about a lot of people that are obsessed with the the theory of narcissism I mean maybe not theory that's the wrong word um is that devaluation is something that they're doing um I know a lot of people who have had the label of narcissism reflected or like projected onto them who are very clearly not narcissists. They are flawed human beings who have done some really flawed things and made some really big mistakes, but they are not narcissists, right? And so things are not always like just peachy and rosy and beautiful and amazing and perfect and heavenly like we sometimes want to think they are. But they're also not dark and sinister and not everything is like out to get you um, in the way that sometimes, you know, we kind of will flip to the other extreme. The truth is like somewhere in the middle where like things are not always what they seem, but there's usually a grain of truth in everything. And they're usually not as like scary or dark or like, And again, this is my own opinion, but I I really don't think that there's all of these really dark, intense agendas going on. I think that there's some of that, sure, but some of it is also just really flawed thinking (laughs) and people who are so caught up in their flawed thinking that they they do kind of evil things and they, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is just human behavior stuff and lack of consciousness. I don't necessarily think that it's all this like big conspiracy or even like with narcissists like the big thing that I hear so often is like you know they projected or projected this facade they were exactly who I wanted them to be um and yeah some people do do that but also you help them do that by um really like leaning into that projection I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like this topic, again, is something that I would maybe need to do a whole episode on to fully, like, get my thoughts grounded. But the core of it is that things aren't always what they seem to be, but they probably aren't as scary as you think they are either, okay? They're, like, somewhere in the middle. Um... Okay, Um, this next point, I have a few. I'm trying to think of like which two to wrap up with this. We're going to go with, um, yeah, we'll go with this one because it really goes with the theme. Like I've been talking a lot about polarity and duality today. And so this is another thing that um, has really helped me to understand the world and, and also people. 
is that every person and every archetype, right? Because I work so strongly with archetype. Everything has a light and a dark expression. And when I say dark, I don't necessarily mean bad, although sometimes I guess it can be. But I just mean like there is an expression that comes from love. And within that expression that comes from love, there are a multitude of ways that that love can be expressed. But I really see that anything that comes from love, even if it's destructive in a way, I really see that as a light expression, okay? I I see that as a higher octave. Um, So if you burn a fucking village to the ground because the people in that village, I mean, this is maybe, I'm not condoning violence, but if you burn something to the ground because... Um, that thing needed to be burned to the ground and there's like a true connection to love and anger that comes from love and anger that comes from protection. I see that as a higher expression. Maybe not higher, like a lighter expression, okay? I see that as an expression that comes from love. There are other expressions that come from fear. And, you know, if you're familiar with Marianne Williamson and her work and A Return to Love, this is not new to you. But this is the way that I perceive pretty much everything is like when we're looking at the the zodiacs and the archetypes, for example, there are expressions of those that come from love and there are expressions that come from fear, you know, just as with like the feminine archetypes, the masculine archetypes, everything can be expressed through either love or fear and they're going to present themselves in very, very different ways. Okay, but at the core, the archetype is the same. So one of the things that I really believe is that life gets a lot easier for ourselves when we seek to express ourselves from love as much and as often as we can. And because we all carry different archetypes, different energies, we have different activations within us, our versions of love and what that looks like are going to be different. And what is like your version of acting in love might actually look very similar or maybe even the exact same of what my version of acting from fear might look like. But so it really like I guess what I'm pulling this back into is that everything is about intent. Everything is about like a deeper purpose, a deeper meaning and why. And what I found too is that this can help you to understand why sometimes the the people that you love do kind of weird things that you're like, why would they do that? That was kind of fucked up. Usually in those moments, they're moving and acting from a place of fear. Okay. So everything can kind of be boiled down into those two expressions of something. And... Hmm. yeah light and dark um but I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because I don't think that light and dark means good or bad in the way that it's often talked about and even like a lot of those expressions of anger and rage and whatever are usually kind of put into the the dark expression category but I just don't see them that way I think that you can even do like nice guy, you know, I think of like nice guy syndrome. If you're really, really nice, but it's manipulative and it's because you're trying to get something or because you don't believe that you can get that thing by being yourself, that to me is actually a dark expression of your energy. Even if on the surface you're kind and you're loving and you're doing everything right. So 
being authentic and true to yourself and acting from a place of authentic love is much more powerful than just being good. I guess that's like the underpinning energy or like idea or thought I'm trying to convey. And that's been a big learning for me as someone that has always prided myself on being good and doing things right. Okay, what's the last one? Okay, this one. Let's talk about uh, growing slowly and why that's important in all areas. There's something to be said for like having the time needed to build the skills that you need to hold the vision that you're creating. Everybody right now is so obsessed with like overnight success or like moving really fast. I want to gain a hundred thousand TikTok followers overnight. I want to, you know, launch a business and make six figures within one year. Um, you know, I want to meet my soulmate tomorrow and get married before the year is done. Like all of these different things, this very like fast moving, passionate energy. And for some people, I think that works really well. And some people work really well when they're put under fire like that. But what I've found is that There's something really magical about going slow and going at a pace that feels safe. So I know for myself that if I had went viral for astrology content the first year I started creating it, I would have quit. It would have been so overwhelming to my nervous system. I would not have been able to handle it. I would not have been able to handle the scrutiny, the doubt, people you know, all of the things like we go viral quite often now with the cosmic laundry, especially on TikTok. And it's become kind of just a natural part of my life now. Like I wake up like, okay, did anything go viral? Am I getting any hate comments from 14 year olds? You know, like it's so uh, normal for me now. But I know that if that had been happening early on in my journey, I there's no way, no way I could have handled that and no way I would still be doing this. Um, it would have been too much. And I think about this a lot with like making money with, you know, anything that you think that you want, if you're not really ready for it, and if you're not ready for like the shit sandwich that comes with it, it's much better to build and grow slowly and, you know, work with your nervous system. So one of the things about slow growth, and this is what I've noticed in my own life and then also in the lives of some of the clients that I work with, you know, with like business readings and stuff, is that when the growth is slow, it seems to be more sustainable and and easier to maintain. With some of my clients that have started businesses, especially like from a business perspective, and have had overnight success, they can't always maintain it. Um, And not even just from like a nervous system standpoint, but it's like, sometimes if you grow too fast, you just don't have the foundation. So right now that quick growth is being pushed and it's being um, revered. And, you know, there's a lot of people that I see really close to giving up on their businesses, on their dreams, because it's not happening overnight. But I really do think that there's something really special about that slow burn, about that slow build, about you know, taking it piece by piece and moment by moment. And even if we want to look at this from a relationship standpoint, like the relationships that have a slower build do tend to be more successful in the long term 
um, especially if there was connection to begin with, right? Especially if there's chemistry involved. Um, you know, there's something to be said for going slow. And so if your path with whatever it is, you're healing your spiritual awakening. That's something I hear a lot too. People thinking that they should be able to like talk to dead people or they should be able to, um, (laughs) I'm just hearing like, oh, maybe that's like a bit flippant. Talk to dead people. They're still like, what am I, what's going on here? Okay. I'm, I'm just not going to say that anymore. I don't know why that felt like weird in my body, but, um, you know, there's people that think that they should be further along, more advanced in their spiritual journey. Like, you're exactly where you need to be. And whatever is is meant for you will come through. Whatever you envision or desire, as long as it's a true desire is meant for you, it will happen. You know, as long as you're taking action towards it. Um, and you don't really have to worry about it. So I guess the thing too is like, let go let go of the process, let go of the like, the when, the by when, the deadlines, the all of that and just let it happen how it's supposed to happen and when it's supposed to happen and trust the naturalness of that. And that's even true for those of you that have blown up overnight that might be feeling really overwhelmed. You know, if you're having something moving very fast and it feels like the pace that works for you but it's overwhelming, trust that too. Um, because we all have our own different, unique path. Okay. Okay. That's a very, very long podcast episode. (laughs) Um, I knew it was going to be that long though. So it is what it is. Um, I will get to the last 15 points at some point. Maybe I won't do it right away. We have an episode with Brooklyn from Roots Rising that is ready to go that I really want to get to you guys because we sat down and we talked about masculine energy. We talked about men and love for men and relationships with men. And I think that this conversation, it's a bit triggering right now considering everything that's happening with Roe v. Wade and reproduction rights and all of these different things. But I do think it's important because right now we're about to enter a period of really really deep profound healing with the masculine so that will probably come out next week so stay tuned for that if you have any questions have any comments just let me know I was gonna say keep them to yourself (laughs) I guess maybe that's something I should share I'm like not as open to feedback as I was before um not meaning that like I still want to hear from you and I still, you know, especially, you know, I want to communicate with you and I want to be in connection with you, but I'm not as available um, to, what's the word? I'm not as available to have people come in and say, oh, I heard this about astrology. I think that you're talking about this wrong. Or I think that this was wrong. Here's an article that I think you should read. I do a lot of of like thinking, <laughs> a lot of thinking about the things that I believe. And a lot of times when I'm sharing, I'm also in a bit of a, a channeling space. Of course, I'm not saying that I like... I'm not open to feedback at all, but it's, it just think a little bit, like (laughs) 
think a little bit before, like if, if I need to hear the feedback, because I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that sometimes people send me feedback and it's so much more, more about them and their own path and process than it is about me. So you can have a different belief on any of the things that I talked about today. You can have a different perspective or lens on astrology. You can have a different perspective or lens on human design. You can have a different perspective or lens on soulmates, relationships, like any of this stuff. Um, One of the things that I'm a huge proponent for is the fact that we all have a very different lens or perspective. And I share not to tell you what to think or how to perceive things. I share to simply share because that's what I'm here to do. I'm just I'm just here to share myself and my own unique expression. And if that resonates with you, cool. If it doesn't, then I might not be the astrologer for you. So that's all I'm trying to say is that um I practice astrology, human design, spirituality in the way that I practice. And that's pretty solidified within me now. Of course, it's always shifting and changing and growing. Um, but there really aren't, I'm not going to come back on and say, yeah, actually, you know, someone showed me an article and and I feel or think differently now. I'm not, um, not open to that in the same way I was before. Okay, I love you guys. I hope that you are having a really wonderful week and uh, I'm praying that I get my shit together and can be more consistent for you all. Hope you have a good week. Love ya.